0: for you and I to repent in the body of Christ people who have been bought by the blood of Christ this is what he's purchased for you the ability to repent to be relentless repenters people who turn from self-worship and worship the one true God and what he's saying here is people who don't repent, people who whose lives just continue to bear just this awful fruit without any repentance What he's saying is is you're not in Christ. You're deceiving yourselves by thinking that you're actually in Christ. And you need to repent. So it's the same message, isn't it, for both the saints and for people who are not in Christ. The message is always the same. Repent. Stop worshiping this stuff and worship me. Randy Pope, a pastor that maybe you're familiar with in Perimeter Church in Atlanta, great deal of respect for Randy, and he Spoken openly about a conversation, a very revealing conversation he had with his son. His son was in college, I believe, and they were getting together for breakfast. and And his son begins to disclose to Randy uh, many of his sins. In fact, very he was living at that time a very licentious life, living um, in the world very, very much. And Randy asked his son a, a very divisive question. He said, "Son, are you in Christ? Are you a Christian?" Oh yeah, 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 Dad. I'm a, I'm a Christian. I, you know, I, I prayed the prayer way back here. I, I, yeah. I'm definitely, definitely a Christian. I just, just going through a season where I don't really want to, you know, I'm, I'm just wanting to kind of explore a little bit. Randy said, and he interrupted his son by going, Arr! and his son, son's taken back. Randy says, you failed the test, son. You may have failed the test. For a lot of people in the body of Christ But you failed the biblical test The Bible never talks about a past decision To give assurance of salvation Never You won't find any biblical warrant for that You know what the Bible talks a lot about? Fruit And your life is not bearing any fruit And you're not repenting You're comfortable with just living in sin Forsaking the God who made you The one who loves you And you're just living in the world Very revealing conversation And maybe that's where you are today Maybe maybe you're not in Christ. Maybe you need to repent. Maybe you have lived in the world. You've exchanged your God, and that's where you are. You need to repent and turn to the Christ who made you and loves you. Chrissy and I got to go to a mosque in Charlotte as a part of my Islam class. It's a new focus at RTS, and 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 we went to a mosque. And after the mosque, uh, after the service was over, I was me and a few of the students there were talking to the imam who was. Who who had led the service and we were having a little Q and A with him and and I asked him, I said, what what gives you assurance that you're you're going to be okay with your God Allah? What makes you what gives you any assurance that he's going to be going to be you're going to be okay in judgment? And he said what we said was very very sad. He said he actually grew up in the Midwest in Oklahoma, and he said that. When he was a boy, he actually walked down the aisle and prayed the prayer. He, he's a, he was a, a white male and a good beard. And, and, he, and he's sitting here telling me that he walked the aisle. And he, he used to believe, as I do today, he said, that he had a, um, a free ticket. He thought that he had a free ticket to heaven, what he called a free ticket. And that was very sobering to hear because the message in his church was very similar to what Randy's son was believing you can, you, can have, you can have assurance of salvation by making a past decision, an emotional decision, walking down an aisle, people laying hands on you, and everything's good. You and God are good. That, that's abhorrent to God. That's abhorrent to Him. And I told Him that's abhorrent. That's, a, that's not true. That's not what Christians believe about what it means to be saved. That We don't get a free ticket to go do whatever we want to do. And that's the way a lot of the church, we're tempted to, to believe that that's what our relationship with God is all about. That we were, were, we're justified with God. This wonderful doctrine of justification that says, you have been made right. You're made, you, have been, you have received something that you could never have achieved on your own. You have received Christ's righteousness on your behalf. You've been declared righteous. But it doesn't stop there. We have this nice doctrine called sanctification where you and I, the church, is being made more and more like Christ, being made more and more into his image. And that is the goal of your redemption It's for you and me to be made like Christ, to be conformed to the image of Christ. You never have to wonder when you have heat in your life, when you have all of these things, it seems like the whole world is caving around you. You never, ever have to wonder why these, all these terrible circumstances are happening to you. You, have, you. you need to know one thing, that God is concerned about you becoming more like himself. And it's not going to happen in the context of comfort. You're going to be, be made uncomfortable. So that he can conform you, expose what you worship in that discomfort and begin to make you more like himself. Now, the letter doesn't stop here. We have verses 14 and 15, which tell us how we're going to be made like Christ. Let's let's turn there. Verses 14 and 15. He says this, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have of him. Now, what does John say that assurance of salvation leads to? It leads to confidence. Confidence for what? Confidence that God hears us if we ask anything according to his will. Did you hear that? We have God's full attention. We have his ear and we have it all the time. If you miss this, then you miss the whole aim of the Incarnation. He didn't just die on the cross to make us right with God. He died on the cross to reconcile sinners like us with a holy God that we would walk with Him with confidence. Did you hear that? We can have confidence as we walk with our God. Now, I don't know about you. That's that's really good news for sinners like me. Because when I'm walking with God and I study and I'm looking at the Word, His Word that reveals Him, and I'm looking at my Christ, I go, man, He's holy and He's omnipresent. He was with me when I looked at this. He was with me when I had this bad thought. He was with me and He knows all these things. He's acquainted with all my ways and yet I can walk confidently with Him. There can only be one conclusion with a statement like that. You and I have a great savior. You and I worship a God who is awesome to forgive people who sin against him far worse than we even know. The Greek word that, that John uses here, echomen, which is in the present tense, by the way, We have. He says, this, this is a powerful promise for those of us in Christ because what he's talking about in the present tense, he says, we have the request that we have. In the present tense, he's going to deliver. He's going to answer our prayer. Whatever we ask, whenever we ask, he hears us and he's able to do something about it. Now, when you think about a God like that who, who responds to you and me. Now, don't be confused he's not your maitre d and he is not here to to go oh okay yes uh, what what may i get for you today what may i get okay asking me anything and what may i get for you today that's not what he's talking about here what he's talking about is he's responsive to you and me it's not like this we we you know in our in our day to day if i want a book i can go on my phone and i can order on amazon.com and i can have it my book in two days. Amazon Prime member. That's a pretty good setup. I can have things like that. We live in a very fast world where we get things like this. A lot of times, that's where we think with our God. We think, wow, you know, he, He's able to give me anything I want. I'll pray to Him and ask Him for whatever I want and then and then I'll get whatever I want just like that. That's not it. You, you have to understand that there's a whole cosmos and there are a lot of people in this cosmos that He has created and... And people from every tribe, tongue, nation, people. And his, and our, uh, his world does not revolve around singularly you and me. This, this, this comes as a, uh, uh, can be a a great source of alarm or pause for you and me because a lot of times we feel like we need him right there in the moment. We need this thing right now. And, and we feel like he needs to drop everything for just you and me. Now, this leads us to the if clause. In this in this text, uh, says one of the and it's one of the more misunderstood if clauses in, in in maybe all of Scripture. But it says if we ask in verse fourteen, according to His will. Now the the word will comes from the Greek word thelema, which can also mean desire. But knowing what God desires is very important to your prayer life. Knowing what God wants or wills in His world is very important to us asking for. Uh, laying requests at his feet. In fact, in Matthew 12, 50, he says this. He says, "For Jesus says, For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and mother. Now, this is not only important for us to know what to pray for, but it's salvific. We need to know God's will. How do you know God's will? You need to know his word. That's why we spend time in his word, This is why we get to know. This is why you come to a church like this where you have brothers who come and preach God's Word. You need to hear it again and again and again because this if clause is very important, not only in clarifying in how we pray, but it's also important because you and I have a temptation that is always going to be true for you and me as long as we're here. And that is, God has a will for our lives and we... And a lot of times we don't even know what that will is, but we have a plan for our lives as well. And when you become a Christian, what you do is you say to God, in other words, not my will, God, I'm tired of living for me, but I want to live for you. Here it is, Lord. Here's my life. Take my life and let it be. Consecrate it unto me. That's what you pray when you first become a Christian. And as you grow in Christ, you keep praying that prayer. You keep singing that hymn. Why? It's because we're tempted to, instead of instead of giving Christ a blank sheet of paper and saying, God, here it is. You write whatever you want for my life and then I'll sign it. I'll, 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 I want whatever you want for me. What we typically do is we kind of go, okay, God, here are the plans for my life. Sign it. You sign it. So you have a big problem there, don't we? We always have a battle of the will. Not my will, but thy will be done. That is always going to be the battle of our lives. And that's what John's getting at here. If you ask according to my will, what is it that God wants done in his world? What is it that God wants done uh, is what we should want to be done in this world. And I think that when you think about Praying this, this has always been a kind of a cop-out prayer for you and me. It's always been a way for us to just pray generic prayers. And that's not what God is after either. God doesn't want you to pray generic prayers. He wants you to lead a life of prayer, constantly talking to Him. Talking to Him about anything and everything that's going on in your life. And He wants, in those conversations, He's going to conform you more and more to the image of Christ. What we typically do, though, is we typically, we typically kind of self-talk, don't we? Instead of talking to God about things that are going on with us, we typically, we don't start our day, oh God, here it is, Lord, take my life and let it be consecrated unto thee. What we do is we get up, we get up groggy, And then it's just trying to maneuver and and figure out what we're going to do and how to maneuver and, and, and get in and out of any circumstance. And what God wants us to do is to say to me, say to Him, here it is, Lord, take it. And then He wants you to pray boldly and He wants you to pray as a child. He wants you to pray like His children. He wants you to pray like His bride. He wants you to pray bold, specific prayers. When I was in college... I met a friend. Uh, I was laboring on the baseball team at Augusta State University where I was in school at the time and had a uh, a good friend. I met there. He became a Christian and began to to disciple him best way I knew how as a as a young believer myself and Marcus grew up in a very poor uh, background uh, and he he was uh Grew up with a single mother, had two other brothers, and he, as he, when he became a Christian, he began to be very burdened about his younger brother. And he lived in Elberton, which is not too far off the road from Augusta, but it was far enough to where he needed a car. He couldn't walk it, and he didn't have one. So he and I, so that he could go home, help his mother on the weekends, and, uh, and, um, and, and spend time with his younger brother, he, he, we began to pray that God would provide a car for him. He it was in need. So we, we prayed and, um, and began to, to ask the Lord. In fact, we even fasted and prayed. It was a, was that important to him. And it's like, Marcus, we'll go seek the Lord together. So I went and talked to my parents and talked to my mom and said, Hey, you know, graduation's right around the corner for me. And y'all had talked about getting me a car and upon graduation. Well, you know, why, why, um, why not just go ahead and speed that up? You can get me a new car and I'll give Marcus mine. And, and uh, they were like, well, uh, that's not a bad idea, but uh, we're not ready to get you a new car yet. So I was kind of bummed out, right? Um, but th- from that conversation, I remember driving down the road. I had expended all the means, earthly means, that I knew how. I didn't know of anybody else who would give, just give someone a car outside of my parents. So I left there. I remember driving down the road, and I was crying out to the Lord, God, I don't know how you're going to provide this, but I'm convinced that you're going to provide About a week later, I get a call from my mother, who owned a hair salon, and she she goes on to tell me that she has a customer in her chair that just so happened to ask her if anyone needed a car, and that she had a car and she wanted to give it away to someone. You see, our God heard that prayer. He heard the cries of these two young believers in Christ. God owns all of this. These, this. This all is His. We weren't asking for that request to, to get comfort. We weren't asking that request to, for any self-gain. In fact, this car was not a hot rod, okay? This car needed some work. But it, He was so thankful, and He and I wept together. Wept together as God was... Every time He drove to Elberton was an opportunity to praise and worship the God who had provided so richly for him. Parents, when you think about discipling your children, grandparents, when you think about mentoring and discipling your grandchildren, pray with them. Pray. Run to Christ. Run to Christ. You take them to Christ. Pray over meals together. Pray in the morning with them. Lead them to Christ in the evenings. Lead them to Christ when they fail or when they have success. When they're confused about a decision they need to make. Lead them to Christ when they're broken hearted. Lead them to Christ when they don't get their way. Lead them to Christ when, they're, when they worked hard at something and it didn't turn out. When your kids come to you about an opportunity to serve Christ, but it's on the expensive side, don't just negate it. Champion that. Say we'll figure it out. God's got all the resources. We'll trust Him. We'll run to Him. Parents, lead your Christ through prayer. Everything we do, run them to Christ in prayer. Run to Christ. Run to Christ every minute of every day. Walk with God in a posture of prayer. This is why Jesus went to the cross. He went to the cross so that you and I... He he went to the cross so that you and I could have a merited conversation, a confident conversation with the one who made you. This is what salvation is all about. It's about a reconciled relationship. This is what heaven is all about. Heaven is all about not just seeing loved ones that we're going to see who have gone before us in glory. You know what gives me a level of joy? Knowing when we go to heaven that I get to see Jesus I get to see my Lord. I get to see my Savior. I get to have a conversation with Him that I desire to have. You see, in this present life, the conversations that we have are going to be filled with distractions, filled with worry. We're We're going to experience all kinds of danger even and glory. It's conversation without distraction. We get to see our Savior We get to see our Jesus. We get to be reunited, reconciled with the God who made us and made all of this. From every tribe, tongue, nation, people. That is what glory is all about. This is what our lives are all about. Pray, pray, pray. Don't quit praying. Don't lose heart in your prayers. Your God hears you. You have his full attention, not because you're great, but because you have a great Savior. This is why he died and went to the cross. This is what John is saying. This is how he finishes his letter. Isn't this awesome? Are you treating prayer like a to-do list? You know that's an Islamic view of prayer. An Islamic view of prayer, an Islamic view of prayer is a prayer life. They pray five times a day, regimented, in order to stay right with God. Don't treat your prayer life like that. It's not a to-do. This is why Christ went to the cross. Constant conversation, a posture of conversation. Have a conversation with God. Run to Him in prayer when you get enormous blessings, not only in praise, but because when you experience God's blessings, you experience... You get an inheritance, a big inheritance. You know that you're going to be more tempted maybe in that blessing than you were even in your your hour of trial. We have trial. We have temptation everywhere. Run to Him. Run to Him in prayer. Build your life around knowing and running to Christ. Running to your cross. Let me uh, finish by saying this. When you are fighting to keep your posture of prayer, and maybe today you're you're discouraged, you're thinking, Man, I don't I don't pray. I don't pray like I want to pray. I don't pray for people like I want to pray. I don't run to him. Maybe I self-talk too much. Let me let me just say the encouragement to you today run to Christ. <laughs> it will always be that application. Every Sunday, every minute of every day, run to Christ, and you will find your comfort. The very last verse in this text, in this wonderful epistle. You know what John says here? And a lot of, uh, lot of common commentators through the years have viewed this verse as being disjointed from the whole letter. You know what the last verse is? Children, keep yourself from idols. Children, keep yourself from idols. Children. Don't worship false Jesuses. Don't worship the Jesus that people hold up in our world. Let's worship a biblical Jesus. Let's run to him in his word to see what who he is, what he's done, and what God's called each of us to do. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for your finished work. We're so grateful for Your, your affection for us. Lord, we don't deserve this. Thank you for all that you've merited for us. And Lord, we pray that we would take full advantage of that. We pray that you would help us to take full advantage of your finished work by talking to you. We know, God, that you are going to graciously say no to a lot of our prayers because they're not in conformity with your will. So often our prayers reveal us because we pray things that are self-focused. Oh, God, we're grateful that you're able to use those prayers even. You listen to all of them. You're patiently listening to them. And you're also molding us in the midst of these conversations. Thank you for your spirit that sanctifies us in these conversations and teaches us how to pray better. Oh, Lord, may we have a heart like your disciples had that say, teach us, oh, Lord, how to pray. Teach us, oh, Lord, your will. Continue to do that with this dear church. Continue to use them to do mighty things in this community as they prayerfully live, as they prayerfully work to your glory. Oh God, I pray that you would help this to be a worshiping church, worshiping the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. We have a closing hymn. We don't. So I will, um, I, I, I'm not an ordained minister, so I, I'm not going to be able to close you in benediction. But, um, but listen to the Lord's blessing on your life as, as I pray to him, okay? Christ, you're so good. We love you. Thank you for the privilege that uh, we have to run to you in Christ, to, to run to you again and again. Amen.